Father, thank you for the message you've laid on my heart this week. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you, you've allowed us to just move on in the book of Hebrews where we were so we can stay on that. Lord, I just pray for everybody that's here and for everybody that's watching online, God, that you would open our hearts and open our minds to receive what it is you're saying and help us not to just hear it, Lord, but help us to be obedient to it and uh, to make the changes in our life that we need to make so that we can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. Uh, and we'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, like I said last week, we're just going to pick up where we left off. And thank God we got to do that this week. And hopefully we'll do that next week, too. But for the last couple of weeks, we've been in Hebrews 12. And mostly we've been talking about, you know, if we're going to be disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, then we have to discipline ourselves. You know, discipline ourselves in our faith. Uh, that's what the word disciple means. Uh, it actually means somebody that learns from his master or his teacher, but not only learns from him, but obeys what he learns. You know, he takes what he learns from his master and actually lives it out in your daily life. That's what disciple means. It means discipline. You know, we have to take what we learn from a master or a teacher and actually live it out, not just gain knowledge of it, but Put it to use. So if we're going to be disciples or followers of Jesus, you know, we not only have to learn from him and learn about him, we have to learn to obey him. You know, we learned last week that being obedient is something that we learned. You know, even Jesus had to learn it. And uh, we have to become more like him. And that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first week, we talked about laying aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. You know, that was Hebrews 12, 1. And then uh, we talked about how do we do that? You know, that's that's not easy to do. But uh, Hebrews 12, 2, you know, told, taught us how to do that. We do that by looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our, of our faith. And we talked a long time for, about that word looking. And, uh, you know, I shared the defin definition of that with you a couple of weeks ago. It means to look away from one thing so that we can see another. And uh, <clears throat> we'll never lay aside our weights and our sin if that's what we're looking at. And uh, if that's what we're focused on, then that's what we're going to gravitate towards. So that word looking means we got to quit focusing on the things that are distracting us, getting us off our paths and leading us away from God. We have to get our focus on God and uh, follow Him and seek Him then all those other things will fade away. Uh, once we get our eyes off those things and on to Jesus. And last week, we talked about how can we fight against sin in our lives without growing weary and faint in our faith. Like it says in Hebrews 12.3, uh, it says, Consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. And I told you last week that that word minds there actually means our faith. It means our, our spiritual life. And if we grow weary and faint in our spiritual life, then we're going to wind up, you know, going right back where we were. We have to keep Jesus as our focus and, you know, put in the discipleship or the discipline that we need to stay close to him because it's natural for us to drift away from God. It's not natural to stay in God's will, we have to make a daily choice, a daily decision to seek Him and uh, to be obedient to Him. You know, obedience does not come natural to us. We have to choose to do it. And uh, so how do we not grow weary and faint in our faith and our spiritual life? And I always tell you, we got to do the same thing Jesus did. He's always our example. Uh, he'll never ask us to do anything that He hasn't done Himself. So we talked about this last week. What did he do? You know, he made the choice to always be submitted to God, uh, even when it's really hard. And he made the choice to humble himself before God, even when he didn't want to. You know, he chose the Father's will over his own will. You know, I shared the verses with you last week where he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, if there's any other way other than going to the cross, let's do it that way. You know, because he didn't want to go to the cross. Nobody wants to be 
tortured and beat and crucified, and he didn't either. But he surrendered his will to God and chose his will over his own. And that's what we have to do, too. And uh, I think that's where most of us stumble. You know, we have to, like I said, we have to learn obedience. It don't come naturally. Naturally, we're going to rebel against authority. Naturally, we're going to choose our own will over God's will. And naturally, we're going to make decisions uh, without God's will in mind. You know, we're going to make decisions that satisfy us, satisfy number one, satisfy our own lust, our own wants, and our own desires. Uh, but if we're going to be disciples or followers of Christ, we have to learn obedience just like he did. And uh, I want to share this verse with you again, uh, Hebrews 5 and verse 8. Jesus learned obedience. And we have to, if we're going to follow him, we have to learn it too. And it's talking about him in Hebrews 5, 8. It says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Uh, and that's how we're going to learn it too, through our suffering. Pastor Josh, he says it all the time, that, especially in the Monday night class, if you've ever been to that. You know, change is painful. In order to make changes, you've got to give something up. There has to be some sort of a loss. You've got to give something up. And loss is painful. And uh, I think that's why many of us don't make the changes that we need to make because we don't want to go through the pain of loss. Either that or we're just not willing to give up whatever we need to give up, whatever that is for you. But uh, in order to change, we have to experience loss, and loss hurts. Uh, but like I told you last week, everything that you bring to God willingly and willingly or wanting to lay that down and get it out of your life and let go of it, he'll help you do that, and he'll replace it with something better. He always does. He's not going to leave an empty void in your life and uh, leave you wanting something because you gave something up. Every time you give something up for God, he will replace it with something else. But you have to receive it. And a lot of times, people will give up something with God's help, but they won't replace it with the things of God because they won't receive it. Because in order to receive the things of God, we have to die to ourselves. It has to be His will and not our own. Like I said, obedience ain't easy at first. You know, it's something we have to choose to do. It goes against everything we know. It goes against our nature. Uh, everything about us. But like I told you last week, the more you do it, the easier it gets. You know, I remember when I first came to Christ, there were certain things that being obedient to were hard for me, you know, because I'd lived a totally different way all the way up until I was 45 years old. And it's hard to just flip a switch and the next morning just start doing these things automatically. It don't happen like that. But the more you choose to be obedient to God, the easier it gets. And the reason for that is the more we obey God, it changes our nature. We start switching from our old sin nature that we're born with to our new nature. Uh, like it talks about in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Now, when we come to Christ and we surrender our life to Him, we are saved instantly. I mean, your soul is saved. There's, there's nothing else you need to do about that. But our nature, uh, who we are on the inside, that has to be transformed. And that happens over time. You know, we have to renew our mind. I told you before that, you know, before Jesus, two and two is four. Two and two is four. You know, we've learned that our whole lives. And uh, we rely on our own understanding and the things we learned up to that point. But once we come to Christ, then our two and two is not four anymore. You know, we have to learn what is acceptable in God's eyes, not in mine. You know, we're renewing our mind, like it says in Romans 12 in verse 2. Uh, it says, be not conformed to this world. It ought to say any longer, you know, because we're all conformed to the world when we come to Christ. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's that day-to-day -day choosing God's will over my own. That's day-to-day -day choosing to be obedient even when I don't want to. Uh, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
So how do we renew our minds? Uh, the simplest way to put that is by agreeing with God. You know, don't argue with God. Don't debate with God. If God says this is the way, then that's the way. And then prove it in your lives by being obedient to it. Uh, not just by saying we agree with God, but actually living it by being obedient to Him. Choosing His will over my own will. Uh, Pastor DJ did a, an illustration one night in Celebrate Restoration. It's been a while back, but that made a lot of sense to me. He was talking about the difference between hearing and listening. He said, if you're walking along, like I'm walking now, and somebody's saying, stop, 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 but you just keep walking, even though you hear them, then you heard what they said, but you didn't, you're not listening to them. But if you're walking along like this, and somebody says, stop, and you stop, and you look at them, then you listened to what they said. You know, you didn't just hear them, and it go right out the other ear. If you're listening, you will stop and see what the person is saying. <coughs> so that's what we're going to focus on tonight. You know, are we just hearing God and walking on about our business? Or are we going to stop when God tells us something and uh, see what he's trying to tell us? And I think God speaks to all of us. And I'm not talking about an audible voice, you know, where he's talking to you from heaven. Uh, I'm talking about everybody knows you get this feeling in your heart and in your mind and you can't get rid of it. God is telling you to do something. And uh, a lot of times we do what the Bible calls grieving the Holy Spirit. We just ignore it and we ignore it and we ignore it and we on purpose uh, deliberately do something that the Holy Spirit is telling us not to do. And that's called quenching the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, you know, we force ourselves to be disobedient to what God is telling us to do. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 is talking about that. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If we're just hearing what God has to say, like I said, in our hearts and our minds, and we know God is telling us to do something, but we don't do anything with it, you know, we're not listening, we're not obeying it then we're just deceiving ourselves. You know, we're, we're causing problems for our own selves. We're not hurting God. We're not hurting anybody but ourselves and the people in our lives. You know, we're just saying, if we're doing that, we're just saying we want God, but in reality, we just want to look godly. We want to live the way we want to live, and uh, we don't want to be submitted to God. We just want the appearance of being godly. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 8 it says that kind of a mindset, he calls it a double-minded man. And uh, you're unstable in all your ways. If you want to look godly and live worldly, then you're going to be double-minded because you'll forget who you are, you know. Oh, how am I supposed to be around this person, you know? Is that a person I'm supposed to be godly around or is that one of my worldly friends? And it really will. It'll drive you insane trying to figure out who knows what, uh, how to act around certain people and how not to act around certain people. Uh, you know, that's not a good place to be. That's not a good place to live. And I know that from experience. I've been there. Uh, and if we back up one verse in verse 7, it says, For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. <clears throat> and that's, that's pretty real stuff right there. You know, I tell you all the time, you cannot live a godly life without God. Uh, we can try to look like we are, but you can't do it. You can't fool God, and you can't fool yourself. You know if you're living for God or not. Uh, you know, just like that word looking, if we take our eyes off of this stuff and look at Jesus and follow him and be obedient to him, then we can live a godly life. But the very minute we take our eyes off of God and we go back to our own understanding, the very minute we leave, start leaving God out of our decisions, then our life starts becoming ungodly. That's the only thing it can become. When we take God out of it, you can't have a godly life without God. He has to be part of it, and he has to be in charge of it. And, uh, you know, the more we head in that direction, we're just going to keep becoming more and more worldly and more ungodly until we get to a point where we realize what we're doing and we return to God. And uh, I love the story of the prodigal son. 
It don't matter how far you've went. God will let you go. But he never leaves you alone. He's always with you. But the moment you turn around and go back to God, he's right there to accept you. You know, he don't turn anybody away. But you can't go your own way and leave God out of your life and expect to live a godly life. You've got to have God in your life. Uh, you know, I told you in closing last week that it's a theme all the way through the Bible that God loves you. You know, all through the Bible, God's demonstrating his love for us just over and over and over. And uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is the chastening of the Lord. We're going to see that in verses 5 through 13. But that also is a theme all through the Bible. And the chastening of the Lord don't mean God's going to send plagues on you and stuff like that. He sends us warnings. He tells us these things in your life are going to destroy you if you don't make changes, if you don't get this out of your life, if you don't go this way in this situation. And we see that all the way from Genesis to Revelation. God's giving people warnings. You know, if you'll go this way, it'll work out good for you. If you go this way, it's not going to be so good. And a lot of times people like to think that God sends uh, evil on them. And when most of the time, we're bringing it on ourselves because God will warn us. And like I said a minute ago, we'll just ignore it and brush it off and grieve the Holy Spirit and go ahead and do things our way. And then we'll try to blame God for the circumstances that we create for ourselves. And uh, it's not God punishing us. It's us punishing our, ourselves because we're not being obedient to what God has to say. We hear him, like I said a minute ago, and we just keep walking. And we're not listening to God. Uh, a good example of that is in Genesis Chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. This is where Cain kills his own brother. And it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin's lying at the door. And unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. He's telling him that you either get a grip on your sin, get a grip on your anger, or that... Sin is going to rule over you instead of you ruling it over him. And uh, he didn't take God's advice. And in verse 8, it says, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Uh, you may not have killed your brother, but I'm sure you've ignored the Holy Spirit at some point and uh, put to death something good in your life. You know, I see a lot of relationships ending all the time just because of, of people that are afraid to be wrong, people that are afraid to admit any wrongdoing on their own part, people, you know, unwilling to say, I'm sorry, that was my bad. That's not that hard to say, and that's another thing, just like obedience. The more you apologize, the easier it gets to do because you see the good that comes from being apologetic, the good that comes from just saying something as simple as, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. You know, that was really hard for me to say seven years ago, but I don't have a, a bit of problem saying it now because I know it brings healing. It stops an argument, and it very well could save a relationship. Uh, like I said, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, God has given us warnings. You know, the letters that uh, it talks about in Revelation sent to the seven churches. That's what those were. He says, I see what you're doing right. But here's what you're doing wrong. And if you don't stop what you're doing wrong, then I'm going to come and remove my, my presence from you. So it's, it's all through the Bible. All the chastening of the Lord is is a nudging in the right direction. He's trying to keep us from hurting ourselves and, uh, you know, going in the wrong direction. But most of the time, like I said, we, we see the danger, we know the danger, we hear God, but we choose not to listen to him. That reminds me of those, uh, I know some of you older people will remember those old Bugs Bunny cartoons. This one stuck out in my mind while I was working on this. Bugs Bunny standing there, he said, if I do it, I get a whipping. And then he looked around a little bit and he said, I do it. <laughs> and that's the same thing we do. We know it's wrong. We know we shouldn't do it. But we toss it around in our head and we debate with God whether or not to be obedient and we wind up doing those things anyway. You know, I know if I do this, it's not going to be good. But what do we do? We do it anyway. We choose not to submit to God 
and uh, we choose to do our own will instead of his own. Even when we know it's not going to work out good. Uh, I told you last week, God don't chasten us just to prove that you're wrong about something and to prove himself right. He chastens us because he wants what's best for us. Uh, I want to go ahead and read Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 10, and uh, then we'll, we'll talk about them some. And it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks, un, speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourge every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness." God chastens us because he loves us. And uh, if we look at it in the right light, it says he chastens us because we're sons, because we're daughters. You know, that's proof to me that I belong to God. It says if he's not chastening you at all, then, you know, to me that's evidence you still belong to the enemy. And uh, you haven't given yourself to Christ yet. He said because all are partakers. And if you're not a partaker, then we're bastards. So I... I'm glad when God chastens me. That, that's proof to me that I belong to him. And he says, you know, our earthly parents chasing us for their own pleasure. You know, everybody wants their kids to mind. And a lot of times, I mean, there are good parents out there that teach their kids the right things to do, the right way to go. But uh, a lot of parents just want their kids to behave because it makes it easier on them. It makes their life easier. But God wants us to behave and do things his way so that we can become like him, so that we can be partakers of his holiness, so we can have the inheritance that he has waiting for us in heaven. You know, I love the way it describes it, an inheritance that is undefiled, reserved for us in heaven. And uh, I think the reason he keeps it reserved in heaven is because if he gave it to us now, we would ruin it. Uh, so he saves it for us. So he corrects us for his own good so that we can be partakers of his holiness. Uh, most of the people that I deal with all the time, and myself, and uh, I think probably all of us deal with this some, you know, if we're honest, we're not dealing with mysterious things that we don't know about, you know. We're, most of the time, it's not a situation, well, I don't know how this is going to work out, so I'm just going to make the best decision that I can with the knowledge that I have. No, most of the time, it's something that I've done a hundred times before that I've just got on repeat. You know, we know how it works out because we've done it before. I know where it's going to lead me, but I do it anyway. I think a lot of us are stuck in that cycle. We choose to do things over and over and over, even though we know it's not right. We choose to do it even though we know we're going to get the same consequences I got last time or probably worse than last time. Uh, but we just keep doing those things. It's, that's caused by not renewing our mind. We keep going back to our old, uh, our old nature. You know, just like, and everybody thinks you're talking about drugs and alcohol when you speak about things like this, but I'm talking about just our attitudes, our hearts, what's really in our hearts. You know, we, we make certain remarks to people because we know how to hurt them because we've made that remark before and we know how they're going to take it. But we say them anyway because that's our, that's our goal at that point. We want to hurt them. We want them to, we want to get that reaction out of them. And we know that's not godly and God tells us not to do that, but we choose over and over and over to do those things and we wonder why our relationships are not healthier than they are. <coughs> or we lie to somebody again that we're just starting to build up trust again with 
knowing what that's going to do to that relationship. Uh, we choose to lie to them rather than tell the truth because we don't want to admit we're wrong or we don't want to admit that we're doing something that we're not supposed to. And uh, so we're not willing to tell the truth so that that person can trust us. And then we wonder why nobody trusts us because we choose to continue to lie to that person over and over again. Or getting into another relationship. And the only relationship I need right now, if I'm just now coming to Jesus, is a relationship with Jesus. But I get into that relationship anyway, knowing that in my heart that this is not going to end well because I've been in one exactly like this before. It's not going to end well for me. It's not going to end well for the person I'm getting into it with. And it's not going to end well for all the innocent people that are involved either. You know, when we ignore the Holy Spirit, when we ignore the chastening of the Lord, it never works out good. God chastens us because He loves us. He's trying to spare us from the things like that. But we choose to keep going back and doing those things over and over. Uh, God chastens us so our lives don't have to be the same thing over and over, like a roller coaster of tragedy after tragedy. You know, bad decision after bad decision. Uh, constantly trying to climb out of a mess that I've got myself into. That's not how God intended us to live. Uh, Proverbs 26 and verse 11. It says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. You know, I've said that verse to people and it makes them mad. I'm not a dog eating vomit. You know, that sounds really crude. I know it does. But I think God wants it to. That's how it's worded in his word, and he means what he says. Uh, I think he wants it to wake us up and see what we keep doing to ourselves again and again. And like I said, not just to ourselves, but to everybody else in our lives. But uh, even, even past ourselves, even past the other people in our lives. I think one of the main reasons God wants us to trust him and listen to his chastening when he is chastening us and be obedient to it so that we can live for Him, uh, so that we can love other people and let them know that God loves them, so that we can share the gospel. Uh, Josh said it Sunday. You know, what would, what would Celebrate Restoration be or what would church be, period, if there were no recovered people? You know, if there was nobody submitted to God, if everybody was stuck in that cycle of a uh, just make a bad choice and fail. Make a bad choice and fail. What if we were all like that? There wouldn't be anybody to share the good news. There wouldn't be anybody to lead anybody else to Christ. And, uh, you know, the church of God would cease to exist. You know, we can't serve God and we can't love other people and we can't share the good news of the gospel <coughs> if our lives are just a never-ending never cycle. You know, fail, get up, make a bad decision. Fail and get up and make another bad decision. And uh, like I said, I'm not just talking about addicts. You may be an addict and you may be an alcoholic. But what is keeping you from living a godly, surrendered, obedient life? Uh, you know, if you are stuck in that cycle, there's something keeping you in it. You know, most of the people I know that are struggling in their faith, they don't do drugs or alcohol. They just struggle with their self. Uh, I know a lot of people who say they've given their lives to Christ, but they still haven't changed anything. They still listen to the same old worldly music that they used to listen to. They still watch the same old worldly uh, TV shows and movies they used to. There's absolutely no change in their life other than they've started coming to church now and then or they attend a class here and there. They've changed nothing in their heart. <clears throat> That's what has to change. Uh, if you're going to follow Christ, you have to change. You have to come out and choose to be separate from the world. You've got to let those things go. You, like we just read, we can't be double-minded. You know, you can't have a mind full of all this worldly stuff and a heart that still desires that stuff and have the mind of Christ and the love of God dwelling in your heart at the same time. You know, you have to choose one or the other. You can't mix those two things. And like I said a while ago, you can't live a godly life without God. And you can't be both. And if you think you are being both and you think you're being successful in doing that, then you're just deceiving yourself. Uh, Matthew 12 and verse 30. 
Jesus himself said, anyone who isn't with me or fully surrender to me as Lord of their life opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. You know, that's, that's straight from Jesus. That's hard stuff right there. You know, if you're professing to be a Christian and living like the world, then you're not only deceiving yourself, you're actually working against Jesus. You're working against the church church that he died to establish and save people from their sins. He didn't die on the cross so we could live in our sin and go to church too. You know, that's not what God wants for us. Two weeks ago, we talked about that word looking again, you know, look away from one thing so you can see another thing. But uh, the reason we're stuck in that cycle is because we won't take our eyes and ears off of the world long enough to see Jesus, to really hear him and listen to him and not just learn about him. If you're still trying to impress people or if you still got to try to live in a way that people think you're cool or if you're, you know, whatever that is, if you're not willing to give it up, the old you, then you'll never have the new you. And that's not just for young people. You know, I'm, I've dealt with a lot of older people that say, oh, I'm just old and set in my ways, but they're not willing to stop doing or stop watching or stop listening to things that they've been doing all their life. They think they've been doing it long, so long that somehow that's okay with God. You know, God knows who I am. God's been with me all my life. Yeah, his word has been there all our lives too. And just because we've ignored it and been disobedient to it for this long does not make it okay. You know, I was older when I came to Christ too. That didn't, you know, that didn't give me a right to stay the way I was. Uh, our age on this earth, even if we live to be 150, is a speck in eternity. So... You know, we aren't earning any points with God if we're being disobedient to Him no matter how old we are. That is for young people, middle-aged people, older people. You know, if we're choosing to be disobedient, it's the same thing for all of us because none of us are promised tomorrow. <coughs> none of us are promised the rest of the day. You know, I might die today, but it's my choice today to choose who I'm going to serve, just like Joshua told his people. You know, I'm either going to choose myself and live for the world, or I'm going to uh, do things God's way. Uh, but whatever we're choosing, and I think we forget this a lot of times. We get so used to our habits, so used to the, our old nature, we forget that we're choosing these things over God. And uh, when we look at it that way, it takes on a whole new life. You know, we get so distracted by the things of the world we forget that this life is temporary. You know, everything we see, everything we hear, everything we feel is all temporary. But that's what we put all our focus on. Uh, I shared these verses with you. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. But in First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, God's telling us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, it's temporary, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. We forget that all these things that are distracting us are temporary, and we're not. You know, when all those things are gone, you're still going to exist. Whether it's on this earth or standing before God, you are an eternal being. Uh, but we get so distracted and deceived by those things, we forget that they're temporary, and we forget that our lives are short. Uh, you know, one day, sooner than you think, sooner than I think, uh, we will stand before God. That is a fact that, that nobody can get out of. That's going to happen. Uh, you're going to stand before God, and I am going to stand before God one day. And all these things that we see and feel and hear and touch are not going to be there. But on that day when we do stand before God, and you fill in your own blank, because I'm not going to fill in any blank for you, but you know what that thing is. That day you're going to have to say, I chose this 
over you. I chose this over a relationship with you. And whatever this is, is not even going to be there anymore. It is going to be gone forever. And uh, it's not going to be important then. So it shouldn't be that important now. You know, whatever this is for you. To me, that is a very sobering thought to think I chose this over God. But once I stand before him, that thing's not going to be there. And he is. And uh, I tell you all the time, there's nothing this world has to offer that's worth Jesus looking at me and saying, depart from me, I never knew you. Nothing. There is nothing worth your eternal life. And there's nothing worth <coughs> the lives of all the people you could be reaching for Christ if you weren't so focused and distracted on all the self-inflicted struggles in our own lives. Uh, those really are just distractions from the enemy to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And uh, those things would go away if we would choose to listen to the chastening of God and not just hearing it, but actually hear what he's saying, understand what he's saying, and make some changes and be obedient to him. But if we keep going, in Hebrews 12 and verse 11, it says, Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. You know, it's not easy to be chastened. It does hurt to change things. It does hurt for loss, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know, it's not going to be joyous and happy. You know, like I said, change hurts, but afterwards, after you make those changes, after God gets you through that painful period, the changes God asks you to make are going to produce the life in you that you've always been looking for. You know, we're all looking for something, but we're looking for it in the wrong places. But we got to get to a point where we trust God to go through those changes that he's telling us to make, and then you'll be able to experience the fruit of the Spirit that you've been looking for. And I think that's what we're all looking for. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it lists the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or self-control, it says in the NLT. You know, those are all things we would love to have in our lives. We'd love to have some love in our lives, some joy in our lives, some peace in our lives, some self-control in our lives. But these are not just things... If we'll listen to God's chastening and be obedient to it, those are not just things that we're going to experience. Those are things that we will be if we're led by the Holy Spirit. You will be faithful. You know, the fruit of the Spirit will start coming out of you. You want us to experience it, you will be that. You'll be faithful. You will have love, real love, not lust like the world uh, has. You will have goodness. You know, I remember when uh, I started noticing the fruit of Spirit coming out of me, and there was goodness. You know, I never had goodness come out of me in my life. I was one of the meanest people I knew. And I started seeing myself actually caring what other people felt like and caring about the situation they were in. And I saw goodness coming out of me. I, I really wanted to do something good for somebody, and that was new to me. And, uh, you know, it amazed me, the changes that God made in my heart. But it comes from not just hearing God, but listening to Him and being obedient to Him. And those things happen here on earth. You don't have to wait for heaven for that. You know, your eternal life starts when you come to Christ. You can already have goodness, and you can already have genuine love. You can already have peace. You know, you'll have that peace of knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and you won't fear death anymore. You know, there's a peace that comes from knowing I've been obedient to God, and I'm in right standing with Him. You won't fear standing before God anymore because of all the things in your life that you know shouldn't be there because they'll be gone. You'll have a clean slate, and you'll have that peace of knowing that I am in a right standing with God, and there's nothing, nothing that can take the place of that. 
you know, you'll actually look forward to standing before God. Uh, so the next two verses that I'm going to share with you, I want you to take these and actually put them to practice in your life. They're real simple verses. But if you look at them in the light of your spiritual life, your faith, how I am being obedient to God, these will change your life if you do them. Hebrews 12 and verse 12. It says, Wherefore lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Lift up your hands that are hanging down. You know, where am I being lazy in my faith? Where am I choosing not to be obedient? You know, you know, we talked last week about we get so used to failing that we just give in a little easier every time. You know, we get weary in our faith and we get faint in our spiritual lives. You know, if my hands are hanging down in an area, I don't need to just go ahead and say, all right, all right I'm going to fail here again. I've tried this, didn't work out. Take that to God, you know, bring that struggle to God and don't give up on it. Uh, Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31, it says, He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. If you feel weak and you know you're weak in that area, bring it to God and He'll give you power in that area. Quit trying to do it on your own. And if, you're, if you don't have any strength left to fight, it says He gives you strength. In verse 30, it says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But verse 31, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run, <coughs> and shall not be weary, and they shall not, and shall walk and not faint. So if you're feeling weary and faint in your faith, go to God. He's the only one that can replenish your faith. Uh, bring it to God if you're weary. He will strengthen you. Don't keep giving the enemy the satisfaction of just giving up because you feel weak and weary and faint. God knew you would feel that way. That's why verses like this are in the Bible. God says, come to him and he will help you with those things. So if your hands are hanging down in an area, pick them up, raise them up to God and ask him for strength in that area and he'll give it to you. And your feeble knees, if we go back to verse 12, and the feeble knees, you know, the way I look at that, if you're having a hard time coming to church, if you keep talking yourself out of it, you know, or talking yourself out of going to classes, or just talking yourself out of getting around other believers, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. And I like to think that's what the feeble knees are. You know, you won't bow before God. You won't come to church. You won't go to classes. You won't get around other believers. You know, you use any excuse you can get not to come. I've heard it uh, a few places this week, you know. I think Josh referenced it on Sunday, and uh, we talked about it last night at Celebrate Restoration. You know, the lion is after a prey that is not with the pack. He's after the one who's alone and vulnerable and weak, off by himself. So when you feel a strong urge to miss going to church or to choose something else over going to church or to miss class or just a strong urge to avoid being around other believers, that's when you need to do those things the most. That's not God trying to talk you into not coming. That's not God trying to convince you to not go around other believers. He would never do that. That is from the enemy. And when you do that, when you give in to that, that's when the enemy's going to hit you with everything he's got. You know, when you have those feelings, pick up the phone. Pray to God. Ask for help. Uh, you know, call somebody. Get the encouragement that you need to just get there. You don't have to come in a good mood. I tell people all the time, you don't even have to come sober. Just get there. And when you get there, God will give you everything you need every single time just for showing up. You know, I shared this, God will bless your effort. You know, I shared last week, Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That says, just show enough faith to believe and come. Just get there. And God will reward you for seeking him. Uh, you know, when you don't want to come, make sure you get here. In verse 13, uh, 
It says, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Like I said, you know where you're lame at. You know where you're weak. We've all got weak spots. Mine's different from yours. Uh, Travis is different from mine. Casey's is different from mine, too. It's different for all of us. But we all have an area in our life that we know if I follow this, if I give in to this, it's going to get me off the path I need to be on. And uh, we need to pay extra attention to those areas in our life. We need to be extra aware of it and quit letting it keep dragging me off the path off the path again and again. Like I said, most of the time it's not some mystery thing doing it to us. It's something I've done before that I just keep choosing to do again. But we've got to pay extra attention to where we're weak and uh, not do those things, not give into it. But it says, rather bring it to God, get it out of the darkness, into the light, admit that it exists, and that it's a problem, and let God heal you from it. You know, it's what the last part of the verse says. Rather let it be healed. You know, quit ignoring those things exist. Get it out of the darkness. Bring it to the light. Admit where we're weak. You know, that's number, that's the very first step in getting some help. Admit it's a problem. And uh, ask God to help you with it. Don't just keep struggling with it because you're never going to overcome it. Uh, if you could overcome it or if you could heal it yourself, you would have already done that. And so would I. But we can't do it. But we can bring it to God and listen to him. Uh, not just hear what he says, but listen to him and do what he says. You know, we can choose to be obedient to him and uh, watch him change our lives. And he will. You know, he, he, God's not going to ask you to do anything that he's not going to help you to do. And he's not going to ask you to do anything that he knows you're not capable of. You know, that would make him a mean, spiteful, cruel God. And he's none of those things. God, my word says, or my Bible says, he's an ever-present help in time of need. So uh, if you have a need, bring it to him. He will help you with it. And if you're obedient to him and do what he says, he will strengthen you through it. But you've got to trust him. Uh, you know, I share these verses with you all the time. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not under your own understanding." We have to trust God, and we can't keep trying to figure things out ourselves. It never works out good that way. But in all our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Uh, if you don't come to Him, you will get to chasing Him. He's still going to try to direct your path, and that's what it is. But we can choose the timing. We can choose to come to Him before He has to chasten us. It says, if we'll humble ourselves, He will exalt us. But He said, if we're prideful and we keep going our own direction, and God will bring us low. So we can humble ourselves or we can let God do it. And I've done both. And it's a whole lot less painful to let God humble me. I mean, uh, to humble myself and come to God than it is for him to humble me. But you got to trust him. God's not going to do anything bad to you. Trust God and bring it to him. And uh, I tell people all the time, what do you got to lose? You know, if you come to God and you trust him and it don't work out, then you can pick up right back where you left off. It'll still be there. You haven't. You ain't missed nothing. Uh, next week, uh, again, God willing, we'll pick up where we left off this week. We'll be going through uh, verses 14 through 29 in Hebrews 12, and that'll be the whole chapter. But next week, talking about how to listen to God. You know, it don't do me no good to tell you you need to listen to God if I don't tell you how to do that. So uh, hopefully next week, God willing, uh, we'll finish that chapter, and we'll talk about how, you know, I can not only recognize the chastening of the Lord, but actually learn how to be obedient to it and listen to it. But uh, hopefully that's what he'll let us do. But none of this stuff is possible without the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you do these things. And uh, you'll not be able to do them without him. So, uh, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I always try to give an opportunity to do that. You know, whether you're here or whether you're watching online, you know, like I said, it don't matter if you've been in church for years. Uh, I went to church for a long time before I actually surrendered to Christ. You know, I said I believed in God, I believed in Jesus, but I never surrendered my life to Him. I just went to church. 
I just went to class. I just went through the motions. I had never, I hadn't surrendered anything to it. But uh, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, it's simple. You just realize that you're a sinner and come to God. Just tell him, say, God, I know I need you. I know I'm a sinner. You know, please forgive me. Come into my life and save me. I want you to be my Lord. And he will. He'll save you right there. He'll meet you right where you are. Uh, I'll give you some scripture to, to go with that. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And verse 10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know in your heart if you need God or not. And that's where you believe that God can save you, and you come to him and ask him to save you. But it says confession is made unto salvation. So if today is the day that you're surrendering your life to Christ and you ask him to become your Lord, tell somebody else about it. Uh, you don't have to come to church and get on a stage and proclaim it to a congregation. Just tell somebody, I've gave my life to Christ today. I'm surrendering my life to Christ. And the Bible says you will be saved. That's how you receive your salvation. And uh, I always try to tell you too, don't ever think you've gone too far to be saved don't ever think you've done anything too wrong and don't let anybody else tell you that either because Romans 10 13 says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and uh, Romans 5 8 it says God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us God don't expect you to get it all together and straighten up and then come to church and then he'll accept you he accepted you the moment that Christ died on the cross for you. He died for us because we were sinners. He died for us so that we could be saved from our sin. So there's nothing you've done that would keep you from salvation. So uh, like I said, if you have chose today to surrender your life to Christ, make sure you tell somebody about it and let them know I've gave my life to Christ today. And uh, keep, keep coming to God and he will help you make the changes that you need to make to live a life for Him. But uh, hopefully, if God don't change it, we'll be picking up where we left off next week. I want to thank you all again for coming out. Um, thank you again for tuning in online. Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for the message that you gave me this week. And God, I just pray for everybody that's here and everybody that uh, is listening online. And everybody that will hear it in the future, God, I, I pray that you would help them to, to take it to heart, to truly remember these things and, and just run them around in their head. And uh, God, I pray that you give us the courage to make the changes that you're asking us to make, knowing that they're for our good, Lord, and for, for the good of your kingdom so that we can be better servants for you and quit putting ourselves through all the, the torment and the bad circumstances that we put ourselves through here. I pray that you help us to know, God, that the things you're asking us to do are for our own good and for your glory. And I just pray that you help us to find the courage in you to do those things. And we will give you the glory for it. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.